You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's going on, U.S. Cellular customers? I've got good news, so don't hit skip, at least not yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What is Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like $1,200 off any phone plus $300 off any tablet. No, I didn't just misread that. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular exclusive offers just for you, just to say thank you. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get $1,200 off any phone plus $300 off any tablet. Terms apply. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore datam. Well, I uh, just woke up. I was, I did the uh, podcast with Clayton, and then I was like, I need a break, and I went upstairs, and then I passed out until uh, like 5.30 or something. So um, anyways, I have a lot to do and not little, not, not a ton of time. And then to make matters worse, I recorded a 10-minute rant and deleted it because I felt like I got a little carried away. So now I'm in a bad mood because I'm sick, and because I'm running out of time, and I have a lot to do, and because I just wasted 10 minutes, and I have to start all over again, and I'm still fired up about the topic. So the odds of me being able to speak about this in a rational tone (laughs) are very low. But let me just say this. First of all, the goal is to get through uh, Patreon questions I solicited, uh, so I want to go through those. The other thing I wanted to talk about, which I didn't intend to talk about, but I'm going to because I just keep going back and forth, and here we are. Um, when I saw the whole thing with Aaron Rodgers at the hockey game with Lazard and Brees Hall, at first, when I, when I was going to tweet about it, it was just kind of a funny joke. Like, ah, ha, ha, you know, just like he has a young girlfriend. Oh, I guess that was stupid, huh? And then as I was typing it up, I started getting legitimately angry about the situation. And I didn't tweet out the angry part. I refined it down to a point where... Um, I got the point across. It didn't come off as super angry, but it also is 100% bulletproof. Cheeseballin is trying to make it seem not bulletproof, and he is failing and flailing wildly. It hurts my brain just trying to read his messages. It doesn't even make sense. He gets so angry, he starts speaking in tongues. But anyways, here, here, let me try to summarize this as calmly as I possibly can. There's two things that bother me about this situation. Number one, and this is what I focused on in the tweet, is that there were certain fans, myself included, who brought up a legitimate point. And the legitimate point is, as a leader of a team, you have an obligation to put in the work, to demonstrate how to put in the work to your team, and to build and foster relationships within the ecosystem that you're in. Personal relationships as well as fostering relationships among other people that are there. That's an obligation. If you are going to take the role of a leader on the team, which Aaron Rodgers did. And so when he refused to do that, either in the offseason 
or um, to show up to the voluntary portion. And yes, I do know what the word voluntary means. It's why I never asked for him to be fined or, or anything like that, because I never implied he broke any rules. Just simply that it is an obligation uh, for a leader to do things like showing up even to voluntary things, because that's what leaders do. But that was a very basic statement that was made. He should be doing this. And it's not really super debatable. And the fact that the response from ex-football players and guys like Pat McAfee were that it was so ridiculous and they were going to make all these little cackling jokes, like cackling little girls, about how absurd it is, like like kids at the, the cool table in high school, which I don't even know if that actually is a thing, but let's pretend it is. The cool table in high school laughing at the idea of ever spending time with someone below their station, which is how it came across, by the way. This entire thing came across as elitism. To think that it was so absurd to lower himself to the level of hanging out with someone maybe like 10 to 15 years younger than him, even if it meant helping the team to succeed and be better and to possibly help to, you know, win a championship. It's bigger than even that. Bigger than your urge to win a championship is this rule in the universe that says, never shall you hang out with somebody lesser than you, right? And it became this whole gaslighting thing where everybody just made jokes about it, and it was all this nonsense. And of course, it was always nonsense, and it was always stupid, and it never made any sense, and nobody actually believed it. But it was a way of just mocking people for saying very basic things. Because God forbid you ever ask somebody like Aaron Rodgers, who is of this higher magnitude and higher order of life that some people have decided to worship, to ask them to do anything, no matter how trivial it is, and, or no matter how much it might actually really help the organization. He shouldn't, be re- he shouldn't be required to do anything. So that whole thing was really, really, really stupid and infuriating that people were saying that and mocking and gaslighting entire groups of people. And so, again, my tweet was focused on um, addressing all of them and saying, I w- not that I actually want an apology, because of course I would never get one, because nobody would ever admit that they were wrong. Because, again, first of all, they knew they were wrong all along. Everybody knew how absolutely ridiculous it is. That's the whole point of gaslighting. You know you're wrong. You know you're lying. It's just to make the other person seem or feel like they're going crazy or like they're the crazy ones. When in reality, you know that you're, you're lying. That's why it's gaslighting. But that was what I had said on Twitter, is I would like an apology from everybody that said that it was absurd for Aaron Rodgers to be expected to hang out with somebody that's younger than him. Because here he is hanging out with 21-year-old Brees Hall. Did I even say that that's what happened? I can't even remember. He went to a hockey game with Lazard and Brees Hall. But here's the other thing that started to upset me, aside from that whole thing, and wanting to just rub it in their faces for being stupid. The other thing is, again, just realizing that he really didn't try to put in any effort here. And it's just the genuine feeling that he really didn't, it feels like he really didn't want to be here. And I know he made all the comments about, I always want to be a Packer, I love the fans, and I love the stadium, and all that stuff. But this guy could literally have not put in any, any less effort. He did nothing in the offseason. Nothing. He went to Hawaii. He did drugs. He dated and, and hung out with celebrities and superstars like Jake Paul and, and actresses and actors and jumped off uh, cliffs into water and did all that fun stuff. And then he showed up to camp eventually, having made no contact with anybody, and he shows up completely out of shape. We have an entirely new receiving core, which is a, a heightened level of urgency that they get on the same page, which should have been done a long time ago, considering Devontae Adams is gone. And so there needs to be essentially a rebuild of this passing offense from the ground up. And that effort was never put forth, ever. The locker room clearly started spiraling out of control. And what was done about it? Nothing. Nothing was ever done. And again, it would have been the easiest thing in the world. I mean, just a single thing, a single shred of effort. 
at any point from anybody. And and again, it's not just Rodgers. It's this elitist class of Bakhtiari, Rodgers, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard. They are of the higher order. Did, did, Did Randall Cobb ever take the young guys out? No. When Rodgers would go to a, a Milwaukee Bucks game, who would he go with? Who would Bakhtiari? The young guys couldn't have tagged along? You're part owner of the franchise. How hard would it have been to be like, gentlemen, we're going down. I reserved us some seats. Taking the young guys. None, you know what I mean? Zero. We got people nitpicking, you know, you, you took this player when you could have taken that player, or you got this free agent when you could have got that free agent. Listen, if Brian Gutekunst is the most inept GM in the entire NFL. Let's say he is the worst. He's 32nd out of 33, or 32nd out of 32 of GMs. That's not good. But at least he's still doing 100% of his ability. He's putting in 100% of his effort. Same with Matt LaFleur. He could be the 32nd ranked coach out of 32, but he's still putting in 18-hour days, trying his hardest to make it work. You can't say that about Rodgers, can you? He, he didn't do anything above what is expected. Nothing. Show me five minutes where he worked on football outside of required time to work on football. Any amount of team building. Any amount of working out with anybody. Everybody else is putting in extra effort, trying to make this thing work. He didn't. And yes, that's, that upsets me. And yes, it upsets me that as soon as he leaves, he's doing it all over. He's, he's back on, on, the, on the train. Because he has a reason to care again. Right? He's angry. And he wants to prove everybody wrong. And so, okay, here we go. He's going to try. He's going to work out. Right? Instead of showing up in a man bun and flip-flops like he did for the Packers, he's clean-shaven, tight haircut, chiseled physique, on the field working out with the guys, going out doing team-building stuff with the young guys, getting acclimated with the team, the organization, putting in work. Go figure. So yeah, that, that bothers me. He's gone. Let it go. First of all, I don't have to. It bothers me, and I'm telling you that it bothers me, and it should bother you. And I think if it doesn't, it's because you have some kind of a bias. It should bother you that the entire 2022 season was a freaking waste because the most important person in the entire franchise chose not to give a crap. If that doesn't bother you, I think there's something wrong. That should absolutely bother you. It bothers me that last year was a complete waste, and it didn't have to be. Because he's more than capable of putting in the work. He's more than capable of working out the entire offseason instead of going off into the mountains drinking crap yourself juice. He could have done exactly what uh, Jordan Love did. And I don't want to hear any of this garbage, well, Jordan Love has to do it. Aaron Rodgers has to do it. I don't care if it's Aaron Rodgers and Devontae, they should still be working on honing their craft because you want to be the best pairing in the entire NFL. That's what guys do that want to be the best. They put in the work. In every industry and the, across the entire universe throughout all time. It's what you do. You put in the work. The, the amount of excuses made for him is pathetic to me. He shouldn't be expected to do anything, apparently. It's unbelievable. And I'll, I'll end it with this. I think, and I think this because this is starting to occur to me now, and I think maybe there are other people that this applies to, that whether they realize it or not is a big part of the reason that they're ready to move on to Jordan Love. Despite all the talk about which quarterback is better, I think the vast majority of people, at least the people that want to move on, genuinely believe they're going to get a higher percentage of effort from Jordan Love than we got from Aaron Rodgers. We're going to get more passion, more determination, more drive. We're going to get a guy that's going to try to work together with his guys, that's going to try to bring the locker room together. And I can't imagine there's a person on planet Earth that believes that Aaron Rodgers is better suited for that than Jordan Love is. 
We all want to focus on who's the better quarterback. Well, probably Rodgers. It's hard to tell at this point because Rodgers played terribly last year. Broken thumb and all. But even if we assume Rodgers, you know what? Let's move in a different direction and see if we can build a locker room of guys that are fired up and ready to play. Instead of a bunch of, we have this locker room filled with first round talent and high performing guys that were good at this one time or that time or just the inconsistency or whatever. And then, and then what happens? They don't win in the playoffs because we just don't feel like it. We don't, we feel like frauds and we just, we don't come together and we don't work together. And I think there's a portion of the fan base that would rather be the Lions than the Packers. They'd rather be a fan of a team that maybe doesn't have the talent, but has the heart and has the leadership and has a group of guys that believe in the team. And they work and they sweat and they bleed for the team, for the helmet that they wear. It's what they believe in. It's what they work for. It's what they strive for. They do it not just for themselves, but for the organization, for their teammates, for their fans. We don't have that in Green Bay, despite the lip service that we get from a couple of these veterans. I put more effort trying to get a brisket to taste good than Aaron Rodgers put in trying to win a freaking Super Bowl. I don't want guys here that want to just show up and collect a paycheck. I don't want guys that come here and believe I'm good enough because of the name on the back of my jersey. I don't need to put in the work. I am who I am. Don't you know who I am? And then strut around making demands, yelling from the back of the room to Matt LaFleur, the head freaking coach, no, we're not doing that in front of everybody else, cutting down your coach. That's bullcrap. Making demands to the GM of the organization while putting in none of the effort that the people that you're cutting down are putting in. Romeo Dobbs is getting crapped on. He's the only one staying after practice putting in the work. Give me a young Romeo Dobbs that's hungry, but unpolished over a veteran that just stopped having passion for football. And, and, and again, I don't think Aaron Rodgers would even dispute it. He wouldn't say it publicly, but the man retired and flat out told us it's because he doesn't want to do this crap anymore. He doesn't like it. I guess I just wish he would have retired before the 2022 season rather than shuffling his feet through the season. So again, the hockey game was just a reminder of two things. Number one, Everybody that said that it was absurd for him to spend any time with the young rookies was so full of crap, it was coming out of their pores. And number two, it really just was a reminder of how little effort was put in and how much that really sucks for all of us who invested a ton into last year and into this team. And for the teammates that put in a lot and the coaches and and the, the front office administration and everybody that put in a massive amount of work and resources into that season to have the biggest piece shuffle his feet and do the bare minimum. It, it does not surprise me one bit to hear the reports that everybody said we're tired of his crap and we need to move on. And it's hard to do when you got a guy that's that good. But you know what? It's the right thing to do. So yeah, there needs to be a balance of on one hand saying you're appreciative for what he did in the past. And on the other hand saying this really got to a dark place because of you and that's upsetting and you need to go. And it's better that he goes sooner than later because it's not going to get better the longer he stays. It's also, by the way, I'll end with this. I keep thinking I'm going to end it, but this time I'll end it. I think it's also part of the reason why, to everyone's shock, a lot of Packer fans are not curling up in the fetal position about the fact that we might take a step back. Do you know how exciting it was for us to just hear that Jordan Love called up the receivers and apparently the running backs and had them fly out and they're working out together? Do you know how exciting it was to see pictures of Jordan Love working out and watching the teammates surrounding him cheering and screaming for him to, to lift the weight or whatever he was doing? To see this team come together and just be excited to be there and be excited to be a team. And to, I mean, that, to be excited to be a team is, that's what being a team is, as opposed to a group of people that are in the same building together. So anyways, I'm going to leave it at that and hopefully we can move on and not uh, have to keep hearing stupid nonsense and can actually start holding football players to an actual standard that makes sense, and stop pretending that people who are 
at the highest echelon of sports entertainment don't have to do work to be good at stuff and, and to actually beat out the rest of the guys, the, the other 32 teams filled with the greatest in the world, and we can ex- start expecting more. Like when we hear from Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst, how the expectation is to win. We actually believe that and believe that our guys are going to do more and not just have more talent. And I feel like that's become a lazy thing where the players, ha- there's no expectation for the players. The, the expectation is for the GM. You go find guys that are just magic, oh, that are so good, all they got to do is just show up and they're better than everybody. That's not how that works. You find guys that have the potential to be dominant, and then you expect them to put in the work to become dominant. And then you expect them to do more work than all the other people so that they come out on top in this, if I may be cliche, game of inches. Because that is the expectation. While they're sleeping, you're working. So hopefully now that Rodgers is out of the equation, we can all go back to just having real expectations for people. We shall see. Anyways, why don't we just take an early break so that we can have a little bit more of a smooth transition into the question and answer. By the way, If you'd like to join Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can uh, join in for as little as a buck a month. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. You know, in the hobby, it's not easy of being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We always hype ourselves up thinking we're going to get some kind of a mint signed Jordan Love card or something. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. That is until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, I finally feel like I know what I'm getting. I don't know if you saw the video me and my son did, that was us on ArenaClub.com looking for new cards for my kid. Still on our YouTube channel, you should check it out. They have an incredible website. Slab Packs are way better than Mystery Packs. Immediately after your pulls, they put your cards safe in a vault. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club's got the card collection platform that you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. That is a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going on, U.S. Cellular customers? I've got good news, so don't hit skip, at least not yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What is Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks. Like $1,200 off any phone, plus $300 off any tablet. No, I didn't just misread that. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thank you. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get $1,200 off any phone, plus $300 off any tablet. Terms apply. All righty. Chris says, any concerns with Goot ignoring the offensive line? Not necessarily. 
I mean, in an ideal world, we, you know, upgrade every position that needs to be upgraded. But um, kind of stepping into what the purpose of the draft is, is to just gather as much high quality talent as you possibly can. And again, to sort of take what the draft is giving you and then pick up the pieces from there. I think, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but I think there tends to be sometimes a, and, and I know this because this is all mock drafts are. People do seven round mock drafts and don't know who anybody is with the exception maybe of their first round draft pick. And then maybe as you get closer to the draft, second and third round, maybe. So why do people make do seven round mock drafts? Because it's all based on position. It's all just position based. It's all just a matter of how can I plug as many holes as possible, right? I make a list of the most important needs based on position, right? Our biggest need is safety. Okay, Brian Branch is first. Our second biggest need is, uh, let's say, tight end. So then we're going to take uh, Sam Laporta. Okay, done. Third biggest need is offensive line. So I'm going to take Cody Mock or whatever. You know what I mean? That's how most people do mock drafts. But I don't think that's the best use of a mock. And uh, a, a good evidence of this, because most people would say it's it's, you, ideally, it's both, right? You, you get the best players and you, you, you know, patch holes. But as a lot of people have pointed out, the Packers have taken swings at offensive line year after year after year. In fact, the last three years, they've taken, I think, three each year. So nine prospects in the last three years. The benefit of taking what the draft gives you is that later on, when the draft doesn't give it to you, you don't have to take it and it's not as big of a deal. I'm not saying we have a perfect offensive line, but the fact that we've taken nine offensive linemen in the last three years means you, means you can take a year off in a weak offensive line class, and it's not going to be devastating. So yeah, in, in an ideal world, we would have several better positions, and I, th- I think this is one of them. But is it a concern? No, not necessarily. I, I'd like for the Packers to continually take swings at where the draft is strongest. Hope that that can upgrade um, wherever those people are. So, you know, Ed Rusher, I'm hoping that it's because he's going to be a, a premium player. You know, Lucas Van Ness, it's not even so much about, well, Rashawn is going to be out a half a year. So that, not, dude, it has nothing to do. It has to do with maybe in three years, this guy can be a top five edge rusher in the NFL. That's the point. It's not about depth. It's not about we're missing pieces or filling holes. It's not about this guy's injured. It's about this guy has the potential to be a top five pass rusher in the next couple of years. That's why he was drafted, period. And again, it's, it's awesome because you know, you, you look at all those years where we wish we had taken... Tight end is another good example. We took two this year. Every year, I want us to take one of the top tight ends, and we never do. And the reality is, most years, it's very thin at tight end. Like, the best tight end is probably a second-round pick, and there's maybe one or two of them. Some years, there's that one freak or whatever, but for the most part, that isn't the case. What happens? This year is is pretty heavy top end, not like top 10 or whatever, but, you know, borderline first-round talent but also multiple through the second and third and fourth rounds, right? It's just very deep. So the Packers take multiple swings. And so now as we go forward and, and consecutive drafts have just no tight end, no tight end, you know, there, there'll be a couple more with, with relatively deep tight end classes, but more than likely the future won't have it. And it'll be okay because we double dipped when it was stacked. So again, Looking at the draft differently kind of helps in terms of having a multi-year vision and, and focusing on getting the, the highest quality uh, talent that you can, not reaching based on need, but just taking the best talent you can that's being presented to you. I mean, that, that's all you can do. You don't get to make the picks that the other teams make. They all make their picks, and then you sit there and you get to pick from the pile, and, and your job is to just take the absolute best picks. Or I should say the, the, the best you can do is try to get away from this draft getting the best overall haul. 
Jack says, how do you think the wide receiver depth position, uh, wide receiver depth positions will end up? We can't play all of them, especially if the tight ends take a bigger role. Well, we can in terms of rotating them, right? If, if we think about it in terms of just starters and say we got an X and a Y and a Z and, you know, and each one gets assigned to the top three guys and that's it, then, then yeah, but th- there's, there's going to be a rotation. I mean, if we look at last year, I'm not going to pull it up, but obviously as you go down the depth chart, I mean, guys like Equinemia St. Brown always got snaps and it, wa- it, it was less, but th- they're still going to have a role. But yeah, we, we certainly can't start them all. So the way I would assume that it falls, obviously Watson and Dobbs are going to be at the top because they are, as of right now, as far as I can tell, probably not only the more talented, but have the most experience. And then the question kind of comes, where do you go from there? Do you start with Samore Ture in the slot and let Jaden Reed kind of acclimate into it? Does Jaden Reed start kind of immediately? I would honestly lean probably toward Jaden Reed. I mean, honestly, Samore Ture, he's a, he's a seventh round pick. And he's only got one year of experience. And in that one year, he didn't actually play a ton. So I, it's, it's not that big of a leap to think that Jaden Reed, who is significantly more talented than Samori Ture, no offense to Samori, but there's a reason, you know, one was drafted late seventh and one was drafted in the second round. My guess is we're going to see Watson and Dobbs, you know, when you're talking two receivers, and you'll see Watson, Dobbs, Jaden Reed. But, you're, but, but again, there's going to be a ton of combinations. You're going to see Watson and, and Jaden Reed on the field, right? So you'll have Watson, Reed, and Musgrave, you know, just sort of that speed package. You'll see Watson and Dobbs. You'll probably see Jaden and Romeo. And then you'll have mixes of Dontavion Wicks, Samori Ture, Grant DeBose, whoever else makes the team. I don't know. And that'll, you know, it'll depend on who knows. Maybe Jaden Reed doesn't actually get off to a great start. And it is more Samori Ture, or maybe Dontavian Wicks actually is a freaking stud right out of the gate, and he kind of takes a little bit more snaps than we were expecting, you know? So it, that's going to be part of the process, and that happens every year. You know, even tight end is going to be kind of similar. You know, if you go over to our lads, which obviously they don't know, but, but they project it out as Luke Musgrave is the starter, then Tucker Craft, then Josiah DeGuara. They've pushed him that far down. And obviously they're different styles of tight ends, but there's still going to be a pecking order in terms of who gets the ball and how often and, and what the, the level of usage is, right? Josiah DeGuara's usage hasn't even been all that high, and my assumption it was going to go up, and then we drafted two tight ends, and now I don't know. But, you know, that'll be one of those things where they're going to battle it out, and some guys will stand out, and some won't. And maybe Josiah gets a ton of the work because Kraft and Musgrave have got a long ways to go. I mean, they're both small school guys. Or maybe they shine, or maybe it's one of them, or maybe it's both of them. So, um it's part of the benefit of having this many is that they'll have time to kind of work through it, build different packages for different guys based on different strengths. Some have speed, some are the route runners like Dobbs, some have the size like Wicks. But that's the exciting thing about um, kind of sorting through all this is, you know, we got to figure that out. For wide receiver, we got to figure it out for, you know, offensive line, who's our right tackle. We got to figure it out for tight end. Um, got to figure out the entire defensive line situation, Part partly where are these guys going to line up, but then where do they you know, start. I mean, is Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks going to be on the defensive line and are they going to start? Are they going to be edge rushers and start? Or, you know, I'm super excited to find out how that all pans out. And, you know, the safety situation, I don't know who's starting. The the corners, I don't know who's starting because of injuries and, you know, special teams. Is it going to be Keyshawn Nixon on cut, uh, poof, uh, kick and punt returns or um, whether Mr. Reed is going to be the primary punt guy, which I assume is going to be the case, but who knows? Um, Craig has a question, says, I thought for sure we would use our extra picks to move up. Why do you think we didn't? And why a kicker at 207? I thought we might take one in the seventh round. Also thought we'd take a safety and running back sooner. Well, again, it it just kind of comes back to the point about you don't go into it with a predetermined set of, of rules and conditions. 
right? I mean, there, there's an ideal situation that the Packers might even agree with in terms of, you know, it would be great to have a, a safety sooner because we don't need safety depth. We need a, a safety starter, at least in my opinion. And so it would have been nice and possibly Gutekunst even agrees with you. But again, we, we can only do with what the, the draft dictates to us. And we can certainly go back and say, well, what about this guy in this situation? It would have been better. Well, maybe, but I, I can't tell you what the Packers board says, so I don't really know. And so that'll all kind of be fleshed out as time goes on in terms of what would have been the better solution and, and, and whatnot at different points in the draft or whatever. But um, a couple things, the, as far as the first point, why didn't we use the picks to move up? I, first of all, we don't know that they didn't try, but I think it kind of makes sense that we didn't from the standpoint of we don't have a lot of cap space, right? And so we don't have the ability to really um, go out and do a ton in free agency. So the more swings, the better. We're losing a lot of people because of the cap decisions that we've made, and we need to just fill out a roster. And so the more swings, the better. Plus, I just think from a statistical standpoint, it just makes sense. I think having more picks is better than... You know, th- this is what I've been mentioning for a while now in terms of GMs overvaluing their scouting abilities. You always want to trade up and get that guy because we're positive he's going to be great. And in reality, there's no, there's a the higher likelihood that, that, there's, that you're wrong than you're right. And so you're better off just taking multiple swings, especially in the mid to late rounds, to try to find that one or two diamond. Is a, I mean, real, uh, realistically, from the fifth to the seventh round, how many guys are going to be long-term starters from this draft class? Maybe one, maybe two? I'm talking starters. You know, Kingsley and Igbari probably will never be a starter. He'll be a solid backup for us and maybe for other teams. I don't know, but I don't think he'll, you know, a lot of special teamers, a lot of different this, that, or the other. Um, I mean, look at all across the league. I mean, you know, I, again, when I point back to that Marquez Valdez-Scantling thing, you look at the wide receivers, he was the only one after like the third round. So there are hidden gems. And, and the question is, do I trust my scouting ability so implicitly that I can see and, and know who those gems are going to be? Or do I know that I don't know? And so we're just going to scattershot this thing. So from a standpoint of getting more picks because we don't have any money and because we need to fill roster spots. And um, also from a, just a st- statistical standpoint of we got a better chance of finding a starter by just using a scattershot approach than to moving up and getting the guys that we think are probably going to be studs, although we obviously don't know. Uh, why a kicker at 207? I thought we might take one in the seventh round. Well, I mean, we need a kicker flat out. And, um, you know, it, it seems it, it, it seemed all along like we were not going to be with a kicker, and we certainly need one, and we are prioritizing special teams, and, and to prioritize special teams and to allow ourselves to not have a kicker um, would be a pretty brutal situation to be in. I mean, of course we could get a kicker in the seventh round or whoever, but who would that be? So, I mean, there, there were, as far as I know, there were two kickers that were sort of like the, the top guys, and I'm sure the Packers would have loved to have been able to get them, and they probably went sooner than they thought they were going to, and so now you're at a situation where do we take number three, a guy that we like, a guy that's a cold weather guy, a guy that's got ice in his veins and all that kind of stuff that we really like about him, or do we just say screw it and take a random swing at whoever's left in the seventh round, or just let all the kickers go and, and find the next best or possibly two or three best in undrafted free agency or whatever, which we can still do that in undrafted free agency. But I just think our back's up against the wall because we do not have a kicker. I mean, we got Parker White, but... Um, I, I think it's incredibly important. I wouldn't have minded if we uh, went and swung at the, the first one. I know everybody would have hated it, but it, it's so unbelievably important to, uh, to get a kicker when you don't have one. Um, yeah, and I, I basically addressed the safety of running back sooner. 
you know, it's just, it's, it's take what the board has given you. This is the top guy that we have. And so that's just the way it goes, I guess. Wayne says, how many of the 13 picks do you expect to make the final roster? Why collect so many extra picks when the players are going to face long odds to make the team? Primarily because you don't know which ones are going to. Right? If you think about it as a percentage, right? that's kind of your question to begin with, how many make the final roster? And obviously, we, you would skew heavier toward the front. But let's just say, for the sake of illustrating a point, that um, 25% of your picks will make the roster. Or let's say 50%. I don't know. Because obviously, I mean, last year, all of them did. But let's just say it's 50%. The average team gets seven picks. You would expect like three to four to actually be starters on your team. Or not start, to, to make your roster. That means three or four will not. If you have 13 picks, that means six to seven will be on and six to seven will not. So you're right. A lot of these guys may not end up making the team, but the point is we get more guys that do, and then we can dispense with the ones that don't. But through the end of this process, we end up with more starters. So more is always going to be better than less, I guess is the simplest way to, uh, to put that. Uh, Juan has a bunch of questions. He starts off with 13 picks. Huh? Is this a quote unquote youth movement? Is this maybe a sign that some veteran players will be cut at the end of training camp in favor of young, let's be honest, cheap salary cap wise players? I don't necessarily see it that way. I don't, I don't see it in terms of um, we're trying to get young because we dislike the old. I think it's we're getting rid of the old because they're getting old and they're getting expensive and we cannot afford them. And as a result of that, we have a lot of holes on our roster and we need to bring in guys. And, and especially because we don't have the money to fill it with free agency, like for example, we did in 2019, where we just went out and spent a bunch of money on Amos and Billy Turner and Zadarius and Preston and just start filling the holes that way. We can't do that. So yeah, we have to, and, and we haven't been able to do that. So we've been probably losing more than we've been gaining, at least in terms of what free agency has been able to offer. And if, you, if you're relying on that too much, then you're just not going to have a roster. So yeah, it's not youth for the sake of getting rid of old. It's it's the draft is our only real means of replenishing the losses we're having because it's because we're getting to that stage where it's the death cycle of the it, it of the all in cycle, I guess, or of the the all in strategy. It's the end of it. It has to end at some point, and the end gets to be a little bit rough and a little bit rocky. And this is what a lot of people have been saying for a long time. I mean, you you push out the money and um, you end up paying a lot of money for some guy. You're overpaying for some guys because you push the contracts heavier toward the end and lighter toward the beginning. So you're overpaying them. You also have a ton of dead money because when people do end up leaving, you have these stupid void years, which means you're paying for them even after they're gone. In some cases, you're paying more for them when they're gone than when they were here. And in other cases, in addition to that, you're paying more for the person gone than the team that has them is paying for them to be there. And so uh, the bottom line is, as a result, we, we, we can't afford to have veterans, and so we have young people. And so it, it certainly looks to be a youth movement, especially since, you know, the oldest two players or three players on the team left all in the same year with Mercedes and Randall and, and, um, and Rodgers. But that isn't to say, this, this is the other thing, too. It, 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 the reason I think that that's important to note is because next year the salary cap is probably going to look significantly better. And I don't think we should go into that assuming, well, they won't bring in young or old guys because they've already said they want young guys. No, they, the point is, once we have the money, then we can start going back into free agency and start doing those things again. We just can't do that right now. Um, he adds in a, a question about, do you, do you think you draft three tight ends knowing that one of the three may become the player you're looking for? And this is just making sure that it doesn't take three different drafts to find that one player. I mean, it's, it's certainly a bet. I mean, there's multiple benefits to taking multiple swings. 
Finding multiple starters would be great, but you're also, as you said, upping the chances that you you don't just completely miss, right? Again, if we just use percentages, we took, uh, let's say, the, the one time we took three offensive linemen in the sixth round. Let's say there is a uh, 15% chance that that guy's actually going to be on your starting offensive line. Well, that becomes a 45% chance if you've got three of them. I think that's how the math works. I don't know. It's probably a little bit different because you can start in multiple spots or whatever, but I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not working that hard to figure out the exact numbers. Let's just call it 45% chance. All right, so you, you could end up with multiple starters. You could end up with just one. You could end up with zero, but the odds are significantly less. But again, I think we're, we're over-projecting how much thought goes into this, and I think it has genuinely, it's, it's genuinely a lot simpler than this in terms of these are the best prospects available, so that's what we're taking. Juan goes on to say, do we as Packer fans need to be reminded that the team will be active signing undrafted free agents and unrestricted free agents in the next couple of days to address the positions of need that weren't addressed in the draft? We'll pause there. Well, should we? Now we'll continue. Those players won't, won't be sure things or game-changing players, but they will fill the gaps and won't bust the salary cap. But then again, it's not like we had 15 first-round picks either. What do you expect, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing too is, you know, we, we really have to remember how much the general talent drop-off is from round one to two to three to four. You know, when we talk about, man, we, we didn't get a safety until this round. I mean, if he was a third-round safety, you think he'd start? I know, despite the third-round curse or whatever, I mean, the talent genuinely starts to drop off. Devontae Wyatt was a first-round pick, and he didn't even start. And no, it's not because it was just a garbage pick. That's kind of normal. Now, there is an expectation that he does at some point, but you know, sometimes we talk as though like we, we get, maybe we can discount seventh round picks, but you know, in the first four or five rounds, there's like this expectation that you draft somebody and then they start and then we're set. You know, if we would have gotten a fourth round safety, I don't know that he beats anybody that's currently playing safety to begin with. Maybe, but I, that's far from a sure thing. So yeah, I mean, as far as the last part, it, it would be great if we had 15 first round picks and could address the entire, you know, and then we only assume half of them end up being good starters anyway so yeah we would get seven <laughs> seven fairly high quality starters maybe it should be great but again that's that's why it's not about just patching all the holes it's just get what you can and, and take as many swings as you can and then we'll bring them in and we'll work them out and we'll see what we got and we'll go from there but yeah there, there is an element of it's not done yet and uh you know un- unrestricted free agency or undrafted free agents i should say getting all the terms mixed up they all sound too similar come up with different entire words undrafted free agents are kind of a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Because, yeah, you probably have the least or lowest expectation from a single undrafted free agent, but yet we sign like 15 of them. And so the funny thing is we actually usually end up with some pretty decent undrafted free agents almost every year. And I think the Packers have done a a pretty solid job of that more so than other. I remember Ted Thompson especially was always praised because the Packers did such a good job of of giving them genuine opportunities. And so uh, the the agents would actually encourage them to go to Green Bay because, you know, they would tell them, if, if you play well, they, they will start you. I don't know if that's still a thing, but but it seems like it should be because we still have a, seems to be a high rate of, of undrafted free agents that end up playing for us at some point in time. But anyways, again, it's, it's because you get so many of them that some of them end up panning out, even if it's a, a, a low level. You know, you end up with guys like Dallin Levitt and Rudy Ford and guys like that. So on one hand, yeah, you're right. You shouldn't expect much from a free, uh, undrafted free agent. On the other hand, considering the pile of undrafted free agents we're going to get, you should expect that we get somebody out of that pile because we usually do. Then Juan says, are we more excited about the 2023-2024 season or next season? 
or the season after. I'm excited about this season. I'll be watching for the second half of the season, maybe final quarter of the season. Jump. Oh, let, let me skip the parentheses there. I'll be watching for the second half of the season jump that I'm expecting this football program to have. The Fleur's offensive system needs lots of weapons, not necessarily all-star weapons, to keep defenses guessing, so all these players will be playing better when they know the playbook, which means they can be faster when they think less and just do or just react. Don't know about the defense, but youth usually means speed and durability, so hopefully that makes the defense better by season's end, too. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we're all probably more excited about this season because it's the one that's coming up. You know, it's hard to be excited about 2024, 2025 seasons. But at the same time, when you look at the youth, the good thing about it is there's every reason to believe that it will continue to get better. You know, when you think about like who's going to be leaving compared to who's going to be taking those those leaps. You know, by next year, we've got Watson and Dobbs and Wyatt and uh, you know Zach Tom and Quay. All those guys will be in year three. While at the same time, you've got Jaden Reed and Dontavion Wicks and Kraft and Musgrave and you know, Lou Nichols and Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks and Lucas Van Ness and Carring- uh, Carrington Valentine they'll all, and, and Anders Carlson. They'll all be in year two. You know, I mean, that, that's the other crazy. We had 11, I think 11 picks last year and 13 this year. So you're going to have 11 guys going into year three, obviously not all of them being starters and everything else, but 11 guys going into year three and 13 going into year two. That's a big deal, man. And then again, then I don't know how many picks we're going to have, but in year one, we've got at least probably two first-round picks, plus however many other picks we've got coming down the pike. Plus, again, then we start getting more free agents because the, the salary cap's starting to open up. So, you know, I mean, I, I guess to answer your question, I'm, of course, more excited about this season. But if you ask me to pick, is this year going to be better than next year or going to be better than the next year? No, I, I would guess that we're going to continue to incrementally get better as, as the, the years go on. And, um, you know, again, as, as people want to, you know, talk about nonsense as far as, you know, how things could have maybe been different, don't need to get into details, but, you know, when you really step back and look at the long-term vision, it's exciting, man. It really is. That, that's the good thing. about. I mean, you look at the youth and say, well, youth is a problem. It is. It, it is when they're a youth, right? When we're talking first and second year guys. But what happens when it becomes the youth is first, second, and third, and then first, second, third, and fourth year? So... Plenty and plenty and plenty of things to be very excited about starting this year. The the motivation, um, JJ just shared something else with me. Jordan Love is posting stuff on uh, Instagram and everything. And, you know, not that Instagram's everything. Obviously, you know, people work out and don't post it to Instagram doesn't mean they're not working out. If it's not on Instagram, does it, did, did it actually happen? But just, just the excitement, you know, the excitement by the guys who are putting in the work, who are excited to, to do it and to work together and to... Um, to show it off and to be excited about it, you know, and it's a new energy and I'm, I'm excited that it's excited that it's a thing. And, you know, if, if it doesn't work out this year, and that's, that's the other thing, it's week one, I think Clayton even mentioned this, you know, the, the first bad pass, and I've said it too, the first bad pass Jordan Love has, he's a bust, he's garbage, Gutekunst is trash, all this stuff. I mean, I'm sitting here talking about a three, four year vision and how amazing it could be over the next couple of years. We got people that can't wait. And the, the conclusion of his first game before we want to throw the entire franchise under the bus. I mean, it's, it's the, the level of absurdity that some people have. But um, I'm excited. I mean, it's, it's, it's very new. You know, the way we've done things for such a long time is we've got our core of guys and they're usually relatively older guys. And then you've got like one guy from each class that kind of helps to chime in or whatever. But 
And then you get some free agents to kind of patch it in. But I mean, come on, it's it's Rodgers and it's Devontae and it's Bakhtiari and it's, you know, it's it's all these guys. That's your core. And that remains your core every single year. And you try to just add like a little little dash of this, little dash of that to try to help you along. This is a whole new deal. So yeah, man, I'm uh I'm excited. I'm excited for the future. Finally, Caleb says, what are we going to do about the safety position? Question mark, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Can we afford to pick someone up in free agency? Also, can we get some more info on your opinion on the pass catchers? Uh, I'll be honest, man. I, I'm not going to check how much money we have because I don't feel like it's probably updated yet because the contracts are not fully done, even though I'm sure there's estimates, but you understand. The bottom line is I know we don't have a lot of money. But I also know we have enough to do something. And the fact that Brian Gutekunst has explicitly gone out and said that they're willing to bring back Adrian Amos, in fact, I would be stunned if he isn't working the phones real hard to bring Adrian Amos back. Um, just based on the comments he's made, it, it sounds like he's suddenly gushing over the guy, like, oh, based on what he's done, we'd be foolish not, you know what I mean? So I think that that's the thing. Not to say it's going to get done or whatever, but, um, you know, again, if you just look at the roster, I think every position is, is set but is um, to varying degrees of confidence in terms of its ability to get us where we need it to be. So wide receiver, for example, we've got bodies, but very little information about how you know, good it is. You know, so if we think about it in terms of floor and ceiling, low floor, high ceiling, right? It could be real bad. We don't 100% know what Watson brings to the table, right? He had that little flurry of being awesome, but also Rodgers is gone. So maybe this is going to be different with Jordan Love, even though you know, Jordan Love did throw him a touchdown pass in that limited time, but still. Dobbs, same situation. Jaden Reed, we don't know if he's going to bring anything. Maybe he'll be the best receiver we have. I don't know. We got Wicks, we got Turry, we got DuBose, you know. So, don't know. Offensive line, we have a pretty good idea. I think we know what Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins and Josh Myers and John Runyon are. There's, of course, always varying degrees of guys getting better or worse. But it's about as low on the spectrum as you can get. And then there's just a question about right tackle. But at the same time, you kind of use Yash Nyman as that baseline of he's probably the guy, unless Zach Tom is better, in which case it'll be Zach Tom. And then it's just a matter of how much better. Tight end, massive question. So there's all these different things. I think the issue with safety is it feels like it's a low floor, low ceiling situation. We have tons of bodies and it could be a complete disaster. And I don't see a ton of scenarios in which it's super dominant. You know, maybe Savage figures it out in this Barry system. I don't know. Or maybe Tarverius Moore becomes that. Maybe it's going to be Moore and Rudy Ford and it's going to be a solid. I don't know. But I think we got to realize, listen, we've got Darnell Savage, Tarverius Moore, Rudy Ford. Um, I think Tariq is actually moving to linebacker. But Dallin Levitt, Anthony Johnson, and James Wiggins. We have more bodies at that position than probably any other one position except maybe, I don't know, tackle or something. We got a lot of them, a lot of safeties. And so the Packers are at a point where if we have to roll with these guys, then we will. We know we can play with Savage because we have for years. We know we can play with Ford because we did last year. We got other guys that could potentially upgrade things. We're going to try to upgrade it as best we can, but with very limited opportunity to do so. And I think that's the way we got it. We have to look at what we have right now as the core of our team for sure. And anything that gets added from here on out, we have to assume is very minimal in terms of its impact on our season. Also, can we get some more information and your opinion on the pass catchers? So I still have a lot more work to do on our rookies. I watched as much of Lucas Musgrave as I possibly could. There's really not much out there. I found three games on YouTube. I guess we could add the tight ends in with the pass catchers. So I'll, I'll, I guess I'll start there. 
Um, I still have concerns about Musgrave, but I like him a lot more. Um, the speed has is, is become evident to me. One of the things that I did is I pulled up PFF so that as he was running, I watched who he was running against to get an idea of who that is. Is it a corner, linebacker, safety, whatever? And one of the things you always hear about tight ends is, you know, they're, they're too fast for linebackers, they're too big for corners. And that was the situation. He'd go up against number 33, the corner out of uh, Boise State or whatever it was. And what happened? He would box the guy out and catch a pass. He'd watch him get lined up against a linebacker or whatever. He would f- sail past him. And so I didn't notice it initially at first because I was, I don't know, you just watch the guy play and and he doesn't catch a lot of passes because they run the ball a lot. Plus there's a lot of pass blocking that he did. He did a lot of blocking and um, the catching seemed fine, but he he also doesn't really break any tackles. He doesn't seem like that great of a blocker. So I'm kind of just like, eh, oh hum. I didn't realize the extent to which there is, there is a lot of speed. So when I really zoomed in on that and you start doing things like trying to clock him along with the wide receivers as they're running down the field and you see him kind of stride for stride with the receivers. Plus tight ends always look slow because they have their long legs, their slower striders, right? Their feet don't kick quite as, you know, their, their, their legs move slower, but they're longer striders. So they never look that fast, but you start doing things like watching him run from the slot or, or, you know, from in line while the other receivers are running down the field and you see him stride for stride with those guys. And it's like, oh, dude, that's, that's quick. You start watching him kind of sail past guys. In fact, um, J.L. Skinner, who was a guy that got drafted out of boys, I think he fell, but um, I mean, he just got absolutely cooked by Musgrave. Musgrave ran past him. He ran through him. He ran around him. I mean, it, you know, so I, I still have concerns. I don't think he breaks tackles very well. I don't know that he runs routes extremely well, but if nothing else, the speed became very evident to me with, Lucas Mus- with Luke Musgrave. Jaden Reed, the little bit that I saw, I really, really, really liked, but I have to watch more. Dontavian Wicks, when I first saw him, I didn't like him, but I, I do remember making the comment that there were a couple routes where it was like, oh, dang, but it was like twice, and it was so few and far between, and there was so much to not like. But then that's when, after the fact, we learned that 2021 was really his big year, and then he had a big drop-off. So I have to go back to 2021 to see his, his, all that stuff. But I think largely there's a lot to be excited about. When this all comes to fruition and what that all could mean, I don't know. But, you know, we went from a team that, you know, many people said didn't invest in getting help for their quarterbacks to now you look at it and you've got second round Christian Watson, fourth round Romeo Dobbs, which you'd say fourth round maybe isn't that big of an investment, but considering how solid he looks, second round Jaden Reed, second round Lucas Musgrave on top of, you know, third round Tucker Craft and Aaron Jones, which only a fifth round, but we know how good he is and AJ Dillon. And I mean, there's, there's a high potential again, low floor, high ceiling. It's not even that low of a floor, to be honest, considering we know Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, and have a good idea of Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, but it has a really, really high ceiling, and I, I just hope that it can kind of um, be able to meet that potential. And and Josiah also is is you know a third round, just like Tucker Craft. So way too many question marks at the position to really know, but there's every reason to be excited about it. Just this young, fast, healthy, energetic group of. Uh, I mean, g- good luck finding a bigger, faster group. It's gonna be a lot of fun, man. It'll be a lot of fun to watch. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. I appreciate everybody on the Patreons who uh, contributed. You guys have a good rest of your day. I'll talk to you tonight, tomorrow, whenever. Bye-bye.